Welcome back to On My Own Dime. I'm your host, Jason McCormack. Today is part two of my discussion with Ray. We are continuing our talk with Ray about his work as an illustrator in Sri Lanka. We're discussing the creation of our comic book, The Synapse Factory, and the importance of authenticity in the media arts. Ray brings creativity into perspective as a lifelong pursuit, recognizing Game of Thrones author George R.R. Martin as an example of 50 years of creative perseverance. With this in mind, we consider the importance of persevering through challenging times in order to hone our craft. So, should we talk about our our collaboration, our project? Yeah, I, mean, I feel like I, I sometimes think of it as your project because you did all of I the mean, real work. I really, really like the story. That 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 is a very interesting story. I've never worked on a like a mind type story like where, where the person is in a dream and like I've never had that concept brought up to me before in any form because I'm, I'm usually just like a very action oriented artist like even now I'm working on like an apocalypse type comic where it's just like just murder everywhere but like it's very interesting <laughs> too. It's cool that you said that because I showed it to a buddy of mine at work and I, it was, it was like a draft review I was doing and I said like, Hey, can you help me? Like, I know you're into anime and manga and I don't have that background. So this is also new to me. I asked him like, you know, can you just look at this and tell me like initial thoughts, just real, you know, less than a minute, like what sticks out to you? And you know, he skimmed through it and he was like, this guy's really good at action scenes. Like, it's so natural. The action scenes are so natural. I was like, yeah, like, I, th- I thought that they were pretty cool too. So it's it's cool to hear you say that that's one of your favorite things and one of your strengths. Yeah, it, it's it pretty much what, what I'm known for here. Like, very dramatic lights and just action, just pure, like, it's just 90% of what I work on is just like fight scenes usually. Cool. Well, let me actually, you know, I'm thinking uh, not everybody has read it. So maybe I'll do a little intro. What what we're talking about is I had written a concept album about 10 or 11 years ago with a band. And there were three albums and it was all based on a character who was trapped in his dreams um, and seeing his own reflection. And his reflection comes to life as like a almost like an evil version of himself. And uh, I never did anything with the actual story. I just wrote it as a way to help guide my songwriting. And um, I was just looking through some old photos and I found the story and kind of dusted it off and thought, like, maybe I should do something with this to kind of celebrate the 10 years of music with those guys. And it was pretty intimidating because I wanted to make a comic, a graphic novel. I mean, you probably remember when I first contacted you, it was for a graphic novel. And I was thinking this is going to be because the, the story was like 75 pages or something like that. And that's I thought it might end up turning out to be like 40 pages, but it actually was 27 because so much of your visuals eliminated the need for all the narrative. And even the first drafts were like, you know, text was just covering the page um and we were and then I was going through and saying like okay I really need to rewrite this in in a style that gets out of his way um and and just keep it to dialogue and maybe specific context yeah 
I feel like it, it was like it was definitely like one of the most interesting stories I've done because like simply the, the whole I really love the element of the lung that's that is an insanely cool element to me like like I've never because I'm a very huge fan I, I'm not sure whether you know but like uh, there's a artist called uh, he, he did this guy called Ino Asano he, his work is just like samurai and stuff like that and there's a very specific imagery in one of his manga where it is a lung just like like essentially the same thing you described in the description and when I read that I was like this is a really interesting story I really want to do this like that's what hooked me on to it like he makes really depressing stories you know me like he made a manga called Oyasumi Punpun which is like goodnight Punpun it's like it's like you can just it's uh, I-N-I-O-A-S-A-N-O that is his name he's a Japanese Okay, I'll check him out after our talk and I'll, I will uh, put him in the show note links so that other people can check it out. When I was writing it, I was wishing like, man, I wish I could draw. I wish I knew someone who could draw. And that was before, like, I mean, that was 2011. I mean, I had social media accounts, but I didn't know what to do with them in order to make a project like this come to life. Um, Definitely never would have imagined a day in the future where I would get to work with someone from Sri Lanka. What was so cool is um, like putting the application out there and looking at different artists. It was so easy for me to see people that would not work. <laughs> uh, like the style wasn't right. Like uh, everything that they were doing was cool. It just wasn't going to work with the story. Right. And then I saw your page and your samples and I was like, okay. Like I need someone that doesn't need any instruction and I have a feeling that this is the guy and I'm just like super lucky that I was right and you didn't need any guidance. I'm very flattered by that. That's good. I'm glad to hear you say that just accept the compliment. <laughs> Thank you. Be yeah. Because you deserve it. And also in a creative field, it's just like, especially in this situation where I have the story and the context, but not the skills. I can't even put it into words what I want something to look like or how to make it. So right, right. in creative disciplines, it's like really important to be able to find someone that you can work with that doesn't need direction from you Yes. in order to get what you are looking for from them, which is why so many people get frustrated. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you've had clients that want revisions. I mean, I probably, you probably thought that of me a bunch of times. <laughs> I didn't actually. You were probably the most like collaborative client I've ever had because we simply like clicked very easily, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that for sure. Um, there were a couple times where I felt like, oh man, I hope he doesn't get annoyed. No, no, not at all. It was mostly for like text stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I assumed uh, the text would need changing because I was like, like I, I understood the story was like, story had to be, when it's descriptive, it has to be very rich in detail. Like in the descriptions, it has to be very rich in them. And like, it's quite like, when you translate that into a comic, it like the descriptions are the panels. So like, there needs to be some sort of adjustment because like uh, a lot of the narr narration happens through dialogue and like people are uh, ideally intended to like understand it through the visuals and the, the combination of the story and the visuals and like I I'm really glad like we went through that like phase where we changed the text a little bit to just uh, more accommodate the graphic novel like the comic format. Yeah, the first revision with all of the text broken up 
it, it felt more like a storyboard. And I was immediately like, oh man, like this is completely in the way. You can't see his work very much. But it turned out to be pretty easy for me to see like what has to go. Because anything that I read that was visible in the, the panel, I just could delete that. And then some of the stuff like in order to, to not lose context, that was because because the other complicated thing is that it's a dream world. I'm trying to explain like what's different about the laws of physics and yeah. how does the main character even know that these characters are a piece of him or how is he fit? How do I show that he's figuring it out? So I still did have to rewrite some dialogue to keep some of the context, but I think it was really important to do that in a more concise way, just basically with a short, a short, a word count as possible, um, to help, help the reader really be seeing the story with the art and not separately, you know, but it was definitely a new, new process for me to collaborate like that. Yeah, it was quite new for me as well. Like I've never like gone that in, uh, in deep with like story at, at all, like until like the current one I'm working with, like I'm trying to emulate that for a lot of the current stories I'm working with because I feel like that format works very well when there's a script and like a person who's written a script and like when I am trying to comprehend and then contextualize what they wrote in their mind essentially, like it's, it's quite... It, it like there's a saying it's impossible to explain your dreams to people because it's like <laughs> it's it's inside your mind and like it's it, it is certainly a challenge but it's incredibly fulfilling when you do it finally like yeah. that's what i really like about the science factory because i had no idea how what what it even looked like for you to do this work or how much each little piece of work was for you like in terms of hours and just everything like you're like if it stressed you out or whatever I tried to be like super um, accurate yeah. with, with my changes and try to make sure that like try to imagine any questions that you would ask and try to answer them in the document I was sending. And also I was wondering, you know, I was crowdfunding to help cover the costs and um, I made the audiobook from reading the original script that we started with. And I made that just so I could have another product for people if they wanted to donate a little bit less, um, they would have an option to like participate somehow without having to pay a lot of money. And I sent that to you as like an, just to help so you didn't have to like always be reading. And I was wondering if that was helpful that was helpful. I, I mean, I like even more than a time saving thing. I listened to that like three or four times during the process because like you like narrating it, like I feel like paints a visual in my mind as to what it should look like rather than me reading it because like interpretation is like a very tricky thing to do. So like it really helped in the sense that like it really helped with the, I specifically remember the Mm, the snake scene that we had to redo a few times because like I, I I had read it initially but then like when I did it for the second time when I, when we like went to revisions I actually listened to the audiobook like twice and I was like oh okay this is probably more along the lines of what he wants in this specific panel and like that was really helpful to me yeah I remember that because I was talking with my wife about it and I was like yeah I'm not this is this part this panel doesn't work the way I wrote it but I don't know how to tell him the changes or whatever, because like, I guess I just never imagined like the dimension that water adds to a, to a visual illustration. It's like, yeah, 
it just changes the whole dynamics of, of the character's position and stuff. Because it's such a viscous medium. Yeah, there's like a physics, like there's a new element of physics where you're, how does, like, does it look natural, like how the person's in the water and stuff? I can't remember specifically what I wanted changed in that panel, but I knew it had something to do with like, if he dove in or not. Yeah, the direction of it, because like, I, I was more in line of like, I first went to the literal, like the physics definition of jumping into water, which is basically what the experience, if, if you would jump into like a body of water, you would just get pushed back, just simply because of the resistance. Like people don't just sink because like buoyancy. And like then, then you said uh, it would be better to have him just jump forwards, like as if he's diving. Like and and, and I agreed with that because it it felt more like an intentional thing rather than he just just jumped without thinking. I wanted the character to be seen as courageous. Yes, essentially, essentially. When he was do because it because he had already started his journey. Yeah, he he was adamant on getting there. Yeah. I didn't want it to read like he wasn't sure about anything. You know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I feel like the body language change definitely helped. Like now, when I like see it again, I'm, I'm like, oh, this definitely adds a lot to the character. Just to just to see him like persevere and like he, he's on a quest essentially to find this other person. Yeah, you know, if somebody just like appeared in my life tomorrow and said like, "Hey, we can make a movie out of this," I would be stoked and I would be like, "Okay." I want the characters to look exactly like how they were in the comic book. Um, Because I just feel like they, I feel like they fit exactly what I was imagining, even before I could imagine it, you know, before I saw your first drafts and stuff. That's very nice to hear. I wanted him to look bland in the sense that like he, he should look because he's very conflicted at the beginning of the story. Yeah. And I wanted him to like because they had to share an appearance i wanted the the good guy to look barely bland and like normal but i also wanted the bad guy to look really like specifically calculating and very not villainous but like very far more intelligent and mature in his thought and like that that i feel like that there was a certain like period of time where i didn't really know how to do that but then again i listened to the audiobook and i figured out how to do it so so all of your clients probably don't provide you with like a audio narration, right? Oh, no. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, uh, honestly, I don't think anyone has ever been as collaborative as you have been because I feel like a lot of people aren't really creatives, like who are my clients. Like people are just like either, uh, uh, there are a few people, but like uh, people are either in very different disciplines or they just, it isn't their story. So like it, it certainly adds a large like amount of significance that it is your story that you made music to and it's like it's something that is very personal to you and like when it is that way I feel like it definitely helps with the intention that you try to convey and like a lot of clients are they're very corporate about the story which is not the way to go I think I think you have to have love for your characters and have love for the world in order to create anything meaningful really yeah, that, and that obviously ties back to the element of authenticity and how that's mm-hmm. not exactly measurable. So yes. I'm sure like some of your corporate projects may have been by some metrics very successful. Probably mine would not be comparable in terms of like how many readers it had or, mm-hmm. um, you know, how much attention it got. But I feel like for me, it's exactly what I wanted it to be 
which is not something you could really measure. So yeah, you can't manufacture authenticity. Essentially, you can't like. Like regardless of whether you make a sticker pack that gets like a million downloads, you can't really, uh, you can't physically, like relate to that sticker pack or whatever you make for a corporate line. Like not in the same way you can relate to a narrative. It's it's I think it's the main thing about like why humans really like narratives and why we like interesting stories and like anime or manga or anything really, where it it's just the characters they feel like real people when we. Personal, like experience the story. And I feel like that is far more important than any sort of metric you can measure a success thing by. Yeah, I agree. I was uh, I was away at a different unit working with all new people, and they all loved anime. And I don't know anime, but I love Demon Slayer. Right, that's an incredible one, actually. And I told them uh, we were eating breakfast, and I like. He said something about how quiet I was the day before, and I was like, "Oh, I just the only anime I've watched is Demon Slayer." And he was like, "Oh, really? I love Demon Slayer. Like, tell me what you like about it." And before I knew it, like it it was started out just me and him, and then before I knew it, there were seven people debating on if they watch it in English dubs or Japanese. Oh, right, yeah. And why? And the, it was just like so clear that even though they're they are talking about like commercially successful anime, they're so passionate about like no, this is way more authentic. No matter what, I feel like it's important to people even if it is a commercially successful thing, they still yes. believe that it's authentic, you know. Yeah, it's it's very like I'm glad you brought that up. It's like I feel like media like that connects people. Like I feel like Demon Slayer, the, the the movie that was very commercially successful in the West and the East, like pretty much worldwide, it was a it was a hit essentially. And like I feel like that connected so many people because like I'm I'm because I'm in the art community. Like the day a movie gets released. You see all the fan artists just crawl out of the woodwork and you just see like a million <laughs> demons. Like I've seen. Uh, have you seen the movie, the Demon Slayer movie? No, I've only seen the TV show. I still have to watch the movie, but I'm I'm afraid to watch it and not like it. Oh, you will like it. I mean, you can even want to watch season two because it's pretty much like a like a the movie will be rerun as a episodic series also. We don't have season two yet in America. Yeah, yeah you, you can. It's it's out in Japan. I mean that's a good thing about that's the one good thing about Sri Lanka. We get it almost immediately because the Japan like the time zone is just like not that far away from us. If I watch the movie before season two, will it ruin season two? Uh no no no. It's so like okay. mo- usually what happens is just like movies are made to just hype the thing up and like the season two, the first at least six or seven episodes will be the movie, but like in a much more like richer detail because it has more time. They just like split the movie up into episodes and add more scenes and let's make it like a little bit more character driven and stuff like that. It's just like anime is just mainly made to like movies are made to hype the series up essentially. I see. I think I interrupted your thought though. Uh, you were saying how fan art, pe- like artists come. Oh right, 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 right. I was getting into that. I was getting into that. It's just like uh, so. I literally think I've seen more than a hundred like fan art of per day the day the movie came out like the for the entire week. <laughs> it is insane. It is like you really feel as if you're a part of a community when you're like in that this AMVs like music videos people make with the visuals in the anime and like it's it's insane. It's it's like 
to see the impact that it has and the ability it has to connect people from completely different backgrounds it's it's insane it's very it's so powerful sometimes i get a little overwhelmed by how much more that I guess more time commitment that creates because if you're going to be part of a community, well, they have Discord servers or Facebook groups or whatever, and it's a great benefit to a creator to stay active in those communities. And so it becomes something you have to check in on all the time. A, because it's great for you to develop your skills and get to know other people in the field. B, because it's fun. And the other element for me that overwhelms me is the what we mentioned earlier about how you can kind of compare yourself to this community of people and maybe see someone who is very successful without the context of how much work they did to get there. Then you have to just sort of figure out how to be responsible for yourself on social media and say like, okay, how can I use this without letting it demotivate me right, right. for doing my, my craft, you know? So I feel like there is mostly good... And for some people, just a little bit of bad that can derail some of their work. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Because uh, uh, I, I've actually been uh, in the receiving end of like a slight demotivation thing back in the day. But like with university, I've met so many people. Like I, I know a person who's uh, she's incredibly successful in what she does. She's also a comic artist. And uh like her like her philosophy has rubbed off on me a lot like it's like individual improvement on like personal levels are far more important than being known by other people like your growth as a creator and an artist and a and a like just a author or like a storyteller is far more important than what everyone else's perception of you is then that's such a like that struck with me a lot yeah, before other people start to like see you or recognize your work it might even be a good thing because like if, if people don't see you when you are in the formative years of your development maybe you can finally get into like actually doing your best work and then people will start to notice you and maybe even if they don't like the, the like the example one of the examples i think i don't know if this was her or someone else in the conversation but like someone pulled up was 99% of the artists who are famous now were not famous in their lifetime. While that is a tragic thought, it's still like, it, it is telling that that is a thing that happens. Like people don't see you until they see you essentially. So you can't, you have no control over whether, like what favors what. So the best thing you can do is just constantly improve yourself and push yourself to be a better version of yourself. That's the right mentality to have, right? I think most, yes. almost every creative would hear that and say like, oh, that's so true. That's just mm -hmm. kind of undebatable. I think what happens to creators is you work on your own so much to develop your skills and you're not hearing that all the time from people, you know? It helps to hear that from your friends. And in the US, there's something more specific than just the lack of like positive people around you consistently. When I was a freshman in college, I was not accepted into the music program. I was just attending and requesting permission from each individual teacher to take the courses. And that's that, I just saw it as like, this is just a test. So I just need to get my foot in the door with whoever will let me. One of the things my professor said in a lecture was, if you're not making a living off of your art, then you're not an artist. 
And I think that that's very much the attitude in the U.S. And so there's a there's some friction there, right? Because if I like if if I'm writing indie rock songs about this character that has a dream world that he's trapped in, and that's my story, and I'm developing my craft with that. But it's not very popular, and there's not a lot of hype behind it. Well, I'm still developing myself as as a musician, and it's not a waste of time. But then I've also been taught that if you're not earning a living, then you're not a real musician. Right. And so I don't think I'm the only person that experienced that. I think it's pretty common in creative fields. Yeah, yeah. But that's the barrier. Like I always have known. Like even as a teenager, people would say, like, "What do you, you know, what are your goals?" And it's like, "I want to make good records." I want to make good songs and good recordings for myself and for other artists as engineering them. And I can definitely say I did that, but I can definitely say I still feel like I failed in the field because I always had to have a day job, you know? So I'm glad that you brought that philosophy up from your friend because it's so simple to know that that's definitely the right attitude to have. But sometimes... There's so much other stuff that surrounds it that it, when you're working, it's not always very present in your mind, you know? Yes, definitely. It's, it's, a, it's a struggle. I, I agree with what you said also to a certain extent where it's like it has to be sustainable as a, as, as a like it has to put food on the table in order for you to call it your profession and for you to call it like a thing. That that I do understand. But maybe I'm not like in, as experienced because like, I've never had a different job other than like just drawing stuff because I'm still in my very much in my formative years. I'm like still in college. I'm still in like doing stuff, and um, maybe my perspective will change once I'm like more in the real world, so to speak. But uh, I also think that failure is the point where you give up. Like I feel like that's such a cliche thing to say, but it's also true for a lot of creatives. Like like you said earlier, like a lot of your friends, you said have given up pretty much and like not done it and you're still going which means you are inherently already past that point like past the point where they stopped initially which is which is like i think very important and i mean a really really great example that i that i can bring up is uh, george rr R. martin who did uh, song of ice and fire game of thrones uh, he found success in his 50s and like that story has forever changed the world pretty much like like I'm in Sri Lanka and I have never heard like a story have that huge of an impact in my lifetime like Game of Thrones has and like like even though people are pretty debatable of like the TV adaptation or whatever, whatever it still formed a lot of creatives to get into the field like I know so many fantasy authors and like I know so many people who are aspiring to be authors simply because they showed saw this show and were interested in the books and if this guy hadn't like kept going until he was like like he's currently quite old like he's he's in his like late ages and if he hadn't kept that grind up and if he hadn't kept releasing work with uh, meager success he like none of us probably would have even known what Game of Thrones was. What a great discussion so far. More to come from Ray next week in our third and final part of this interview. If you want to read our comic book, The Synapse Factory, check out the show notes for the link to our web store. Thanks for listening to On My Own Dime. 